This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. The New Way We Work is a bi-weekly show, but in our off weeks, we'll bring you bonus episodes. This season, you're going to hear from a new voice on those bonus episodes. Our producer, Josh Christensen. Hi, Josh. Hey, Kate. So, Josh, what can listeners expect to hear on these bonus episodes? Well, as listeners know, if they listen to the first episode or our trailer for The New Way We Work, our whole mission this season is to try to figure out how to build a more just, a more equitable workplace. And in our regular episodes, you're going to be trying to find some solutions and or at least start some hard conversations. Well, in the bonus episodes, we're going to try to provide some context to these topics topics that you're talking about. So you're going to hear some personal storytelling. You're going to hear some explainers on on different topics as we go through the season and also some history episodes as well. And this content will be curated for you by ourselves and also some of the Fast Company reporters, some who you've heard on the show before, and maybe some new voices as we go forward. That's great. So what is this episode about today? On our first episode of The New Way We Work, where you talked to Dorian St. Floor and Porter Braswell, you talked about the so-called pipeline problem and the flaws companies have in recruitment and probably more importantly, retention of employees from underrepresented groups. Yeah, the pipeline problem is this persistent assertion from companies that the reason why they hire so few people of color is because there just aren't enough qualified candidates in the pipeline. And it's totally false. If you haven't heard the episode yet, I encourage you to go back and listen to it because Porter and Dorian break down exactly why that belief is so wrong and most importantly, how individuals at companies can address it. Yeah, it's a fantastic episode and and Dorian and Porter were incredibly insightful. And at one point in your conversation with Porter, you alluded to the diversity reports a certain industry which we're all very familiar with have been doing for a while now to let's say limited effect so we decided to dig deeper into that data here is staff writer pravithra mohan on the truth behind diversity reports in 2014 the big tech companies finally caved to pressure and started releasing data on their workforces which confirmed what we already knew Companies like Google and Facebook were overwhelmingly white and male. Since then, these companies have pledged to do better again and again, like Mark Zuckerberg back in 2017 talking to a group of mostly black and brown college students in North Carolina. You know, I don't think it's a secret that the tech community and industry has an issue with diversity. So, and, you know, frankly, I think that that's our problem to figure out, right? And, um, you know, so you asked what, what you can do, and I, maybe I can, I, I'll get to that in a second, but I think that that responsibility rests on us, right, and, and, our, um, and the companies and the industry to make sure that we, that we get to that. I mean, there's so much research um, that shows that you need diverse teams to do the best work. So it's important that we do better on diversity, not only because it's the right thing to do, 
uh, for, for the country and for people, but because that's the only way that we're going to serve our community the best. But most companies have frankly failed at fixing the problem. Apple, Facebook, and Google have hired more women, but they still represent less than a quarter of each company's technical workforce. And while Black and Latinx representation has increased marginally, most of that progress can be traced to non-technical roles. Diversity reports have put more attention on the demographics of the tech industry, and they've probably been eye-opening for some of tech's most prominent CEOs. But six years later, it's clear diversity reports haven't been that effective for a number of reasons. For one, the data can be misleading. Most tech companies provide overall diversity figures, but they do also break out numbers for technical roles and leadership positions. Those tend to be the most homogenous. But diversity reports can gloss over the lack of progress in those departments, or at least understate it. In Apple's most recent report, for example, it notes that, quote, overall representation of women continues to increase at Apple globally. But most of that marginal growth is concentrated in non-technical, non-leadership roles. Looking further into these numbers, retail employees who are lower wage and tend to be more diverse pad Apple's overall numbers, particularly when it comes to race. The company has made virtually no headway with hiring Black and Latinx employees into technical and leadership roles, so its overall figures show a few percentage points of improvement across underrepresented groups, but that doesn't say much. And it makes PR like this Apple commercial from back in 2014 sound particularly disingenuous, or at the very least, lacking in self-awareness. From the very beginning, we have been a collective of individuals. Different kinds of people from different kinds of places. An intersection of technology and the liberal arts. Diverse backgrounds all working together. One powerful thing we share is the belief that we can make a difference in this world. Through our products and through our values. Through who we are. For this reason, we put inclusion and diversity at our very center. We honor individuality, human dignity, and equality. Some companies, like Amazon, don't even release specific data by department. Since Amazon doesn't offer any insight into the demographics of its technical workforce, its diversity reports are an incomplete picture, propped up by the hundreds of thousands of low-wage warehouse workers who are disproportionately people of color. The company's most recent report claims that Black and Latinx workers account for 45% of Amazon's U.S. workforce. One of the problems here is that while there is some overlap in how each business presents diversity data, there is no set standard. This makes it hard to get a complete sense of how the industry on the whole is doing, and even harder to hold companies accountable. None of them seem to provide raw data, opting instead to use percentages. And there's also not enough clarity around how employees are categorized, from who counts as leadership to what qualifies as a technical job. All of this is to say that these reports are not always what they seem. Another issue to look at is how these companies define diversity. Since the tech industry has historically been white and male, most companies that publish diversity reports count women among their underrepresented employees. While some tech giants are actually making strides toward gender parity, that can also be a smokescreen, acting as a shorthand for diversity and deflecting attention from a lack of progress elsewhere. So for example, Google now disaggregates its data to capture intersectionality, and they do offer a more detailed snapshot than many other companies. 
But most reports address race and gender separately, which overlooks how poorly many companies score in terms of hiring Black and Latinx women, or how Asian representation heavily skews male. Given the tech industry's relative inaction on racial diversity, especially when it comes to women of color, it's fair to assume that many of the newer hires are white women, but companies don't volunteer that information publicly. The result is that most diversity reports don't accurately categorize employees who are women of color or other people with multiple identities. These reports are usually laser-focused on race and gender, which means companies might not be examining how their workforce identifies in terms of sexual orientation or ability, let alone how those identities might intersect. Even though tech companies' findings are so often disappointing, diversity reports have helped them project a degree of transparency. Many businesses have gained some level of goodwill by publishing diversity data, partly because so many organizations, both in and out of the tech industry, still refuse to do so. But as the public and companies themselves get used to seeing little to no change year after year, diversity reports become less and less effective as a means of accountability. Reporting diversity metrics doesn't matter if these companies don't use that data to set clear, realistic goals. It also doesn't help that at many companies, the head of DEI does not report directly to the CEO. The pressure of releasing annual diversity reports may also lead companies to prioritize interviewing and hiring more diverse candidates without making broader systemic changes that allow underrepresented employees to thrive and succeed in the workplace. With the exception of Google, which started sharing attrition data in 2018, most diversity reports don't really address the issue of retention and the role it plays in building and maintaining a more inclusive workforce. If you listened to the last episode of The New Way We Work, you know that diversity without equity and inclusion just leads to a leaky bucket. This past summer, after the killing of George Floyd and in the midst of the protests against racial injustice, many companies have set ambitious new diversity goals. But these companies have been doing these reports for years. So why do we hear tech CEOs making statements like Airbnb's Brian Chesky did on CNN Business this summer? I think that what is happening right now is I think many of us are realizing we could have done so much more. Companies have significantly more responsibility than businesses. I think that too many companies, too many of us have been um, not outspoken enough on this issue. And not just that there's been silence, but there's not been enough actions. I think the time for boldness is now and it's got to be, we got to take significantly more actions. It's important that we look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we part of the problem or are we part of the solution? Wasn't the point of these reports to spur action? Whatever the feelings since 2014 have been, this moment, as we've heard so many times, does feel different. And maybe these goals will be achieved. Facebook, for example, committed to doubling the number of Black and Latinx employees by 2023, and Twitter set out to increase the share of underrepresented employees to 25% of their U.S. workforce over the next five years. But if recent events like the firing of Timnit Gebru at Google and the discrimination faced by former Black employees at Pinterest is any indication, the tech industry still has a long, long way to go. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. 
Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen. Thank you.